3: Check, check, check it chap, Check, 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 check Watch him throw, throw the ball, off, man. we gonna pick it up You gonna let him hit the hole or you gonna cut it off You gonna play through fourth and longer, you gonna punt it off Your defenders have you hit us, put your pads in Don't be looking for the ref to throw no flags in Keep the helmet on, keep the cleats tight You the type that wanna win by any means, right? You should look alive, this is Trapper Die.
2: Yes sir, welcome back to another episode of Trapper Dive Podcast I'm your host, Uh, the Trap or Die podcast, Jamal Forrest, uh, aka Coach Mo, Henny Mo, all that good stuff, man. In here with AJ, um, David, I just said that, uh, they were a little behind, but lo and behold, he he was right here all this entire time. AJ, man, how you feeling, dog? I'm feeling good, man. (laughs) How are you guys
4: doing today?
2: Look, man, I can't I can't complain too much, man. I was checking in with uh, with David before we got started. Um, year eight on the beat with him. First and foremost, everybody checking in right now. Appreciate y'all watching, listening, like, subscribe, all that good stuff, man. If you're on the audio side, make sure you hit that follow button if you haven't rating and review. Uh, they they keep coming in. They, they've been coming in constantly, actually over the past couple of weeks. So we appreciate that, man. If you haven't done so already, uh, that's a good way to show your support. So uh, make sure you leave us with a rating review if you can, if you haven't done so. Um, but yeah, I said, man. David is entering year eight. Uh, if you haven't met David Harrison, yeah, he's been on the show a couple of times, man. Uh, uh, a really good guest uh, for the Tribe of Die podcast. He covers the commanders for Locked On Commanders as well as the Sports Illustrated side. I actually forgot their name now what they call it's it but commander
1: country now yeah
2: commander country there it is uh for sports illustrated but he's checking in as well he's gonna give us his uh his breakdown of the last two practices between the, the commanders and the ravens but david man how you pre, uh, how you doing today man i appreciate you joining us
1: oh, i'm doing great i appreciate the invite yeah it's it's always uh good talk to you guys and and uh yeah i mean just looking forward forward to the season you know i'll, I'll I'll start with like the headline, right? Like after watching two days of joint practice with the Ravens, I think I'm more confident in what this team is capable of potential wise than I have been, you know, the entire off season, preseason leading up to today.
2: Well, everybody in chat, if you have questions for David, let's, let's hear them. Um, We can shoot them off as the the conversation goes along. Um, But, but yeah, like the, the potential that you mentioned, uh, let's, let's kind of, let's, let's actually dive into that part then. Um, from from an off well actually i'll just get you to florida to lay it out what were some of your your top observations or or takeaways from the practice who stood out what stood out um and and things like that What, what was your takeaways
1: yeah i think the biggest thing that i walked away from from the joint practices with is this understanding or this 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 perception at least that you know when we go through practices during training camp we always kind of come out of it talking about who won the day right who won each day and and Typically in Ashburn, it's been the commander's defense winning the day. And as we built up towards the first preseason game, you know, against the Cleveland Browns, it was kind of, you know, there was all these concerns about the offensive line and whether or not Sam Howell was going to be able to show the same kind of smart decision-making that he shows most of the time in practice in in an actual game situation. And so those were a lot of the big questions. And obviously the offensive line has some struggles that they're continuing to try to work through and get better on. But I think for the most part, you have to come out of that game saying okay you can see the potential you can see the, the product building uh from what it was you know even at the end of last season and then we get back to practice and and you know let's just be honest like there was a really bad day I mean the day before the first day of joint practices was probably the offense's worst day I mean there were bad blocking Sam Howell was inaccurate drop passes I mean it just the entire offense probably got a, a lot of a lot of talking to from Eric the after that practice so coming into the Baltimore joint practice you're kind of getting back to that worried state of, is this offense really going to be able to carry water? But then after these last two days, and it hasn't been perfect by any means, but the biggest thing that I noticed is watching the Baltimore Ravens offense against this commander's defense. They look about how the Washington commander's offense looks practicing Mm -hmm. against this Washington commander's defense. And it really, to me, just kind of emphasizes that this is more about the defense being as good as they are right now than it is the other side of the ball maybe not being as good And then, like you said, when we see them play the Cleveland Browns, when we see them at least the first day of joint practices. So full disclosure, I watched all offense day one. I watched all defense day two. So I didn't watch the offense on day two. I did hear they had some struggles that they didn't have on day one, but I didn't see that personally. Uh, But you watch them, you know, at least for day one with Marlon Humphrey out there playing and with some of these other guys go out there uh, playing other than Odafe Owe having three sacks against uh, the commander's offensive line. Other than that, very good, very clean day from Sam Howell. No interceptions and two joint practices. I think that's probably one of the biggest takeaways to take from it.
2: Yeah, um, I guess we could start with 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 day one generally. Um, the conversation, and we've talked about this in our post game of the Browns and Commanders, but uh, I, I didn't think that the offensive line was a significant problem against the Browns. I think... When you when you look at things, the 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 major struggle uh really came with uh one person having issues in his pass sets on uh, and Andrew Wiley. Mm-hmm. Um obviously, first play of the game, Charles Leno loses on a rep. Um, but that's one rep. Uh and then like then you had that issue with with Wiley throughout the first three series. Um, but I don't think that there was a huge problem. And, and to that point of the the Ravens and Commander's joint practice in your first day, I like how you was like the transparent, a lot of people are going to act like they they seen, they were able to see everything <laughs> if they get asked oh, the question yeah. your first day and when you saw it. Uh, what was the offensive line looking like? Um, and, and I heard uh, a, a returning interior offensive lineman, Sadiq Charles, had himself a day.
1: Yeah, Sadiq so Charles, so start there. Sadiq so Charles in the one-on-one matchups. Uh, I charted all of the one-on-one matchups in, in the lineman drills, um, and the Washington Stars went five for four. So, you know, not completely dominant, but they won. Nine of uh, or five of the nine reps uh, that they went out there and went against the Baltimore Ravens uh, starting defensive lineman and city Charles had the the best win uh, of the entire day. Broderick Washington, Baltimore Ravens defense tackle Broderick Washington was his opponent. And city Charles, first of all, stonewalled him right off the line of scrimmage like Broderick didn't get any gain, uh, didn't move the line of scrimmage at all against Sadiq. And then by the end of it, Sadiq had him face down in the dirt. Uh, so that was that was very easily the best win of the day for the starting offensive line. So City Charles had himself a day, like you said, but day two, unfortunately, uh, you know, apparently the calf kind of acted up a little bit. So he wasn't able to finish the day. But, you know, there, there's certainly some growth happening uh, there. Like I said, Odafe Oway, like he came away. I mean, he's he's going to feel like he won that first day of practice. Right. Three sacks and they they came from yeah, both yeah. sides of the, of the offensive line. Uh, so, obviously, he's, he's just kind of having his way, and that's something that you do de- definitely have to get cleaned up. Uh, but as they get some more unity, as they get some more reps together, the, the big question is that left guard position because if Sadiq Charles can't stay healthy, you know, we, we saw what happened last year if you just have a rotating door at a position on the offensive line. You know, last year was more centered than anywhere else, but this year it's left guard, and you've already got questions with either of the guys that are, are potentially going to start there. So, I think at, at a certain extent or a certain point, there might come a day where this coach staff has to look at you know availability being the the best ability and who is going to be able to stay on the field for us versus who might have the higher upside for the little time he is. So hopefully, City Charles that calf is is not going to be too big of a problem. We'll see Friday when we get back to practice. If he's not out there Friday and Chris Paul is back out there, I think you got to start having this discussion of going with the healthy guy versus going with the guy that can't stay on the field but might be better when he is on the field. But yeah, the offense. I mean, uh Sam Howell, you know, nine for eleven. Uh, According to the passes that I that I that I charted, six for nine. Sorry, in elevens. According to the passes that I charted, the thing about me charting eleven on eleven passes for Sam Howell, though, that I I definitely want to make sure everybody understands is, if there's a practice sack, you know, you guys have seen it, right? There, a guy gets in for what would be a sack, but they finish the play anyway. Quarterback throws the ball. I don't chart that pass because he got sacked. As far as I'm concerned, I chart the sack. Um, Same thing with the holding penalty. If there's a holding penalty that negates a play. I don't chart the pass because it doesn't officially happen, right? So just things like that. So when I say six for nine, he threw more than nine passes, but those are the passes that would be official in the box score. That's a that's a decent enough uh, uh, completion percentage. Again, no interceptions. And the thing that I like about Sam is even when he does miss, not only is he not intercepting, or giving the ball to the opponent, but the opponents really don't even have an opportunity to take the ball away uh, if, they had the, if, if they wanted to. So um, smart football from him, better offensive line play. Uh, those, those are all signs for, for positive play, but we'll see what happens Monday night because, uh, yeah, the, this Ravens defense is definitely going to want to prove a point on uh, on Monday night football.
4: Uh, hey, Maul, if I could jump in real quick, you know, as we're focusing on the offensive line, uh, do we really think Sadiq Charles has a significant injury uh, issue or are they just kind of managing his, his practice days like how they've done with Curtis Samuels in the past – and then the other question is, um, I, I read that uh, Cornelius Lucas played a little bit of left tackle with the first team uh, in some of these joint practices. How how did he look in replacement of uh, Charles Leno?
1: Yeah, so for, for Sadiq Charles, I don't know if I would call it like a serious injury as in, you know, from, from like a grade of injury, but I would call it more of a nagging injury. And to a certain extent, nagging could, could be a serious problem, right, for a team, obviously, if you can't have a guy – Uh, On the field consistently, so that's probably the best way I would I would uh, interpret it. I don't know with the offensive line. You guys know this, right? Like the offensive line is such a unit in one. Like you you know, it's not it's not like a Logan Thomas where you know his injury isn't super serious, but we'll let him have some reps off because we can plug him in later, and it's not a big deal. You guys know the offensive line doesn't operate that way. Sam Cosme when he rolled his or well when he hyperextended his knee. Rather sorry, I looked at first like he rolled his his ankle the other day at practice, like we all kind of expected the the trademark abundance of caution line to come out and, mm-hmm. and for him to not return. But when he went to medical tech, came back out, they broke into individuals. I was surprised to see him doing individual drills again. And then they went back to teams and he went back into teams. I mean, he even took one-on-ones literally, you know, 15 minutes after hyperextending his knee, he was taking one-on-one snaps. That tells me that this, this coach staff understands this offensive line has to be a unit. So if we can get you on the field for a rep, we're going to get you on the field for a rep. So Sadiq Charles missing reps. To me, says that, that calf injury. You know, while it may not be serious from like a season long standpoint, is serious enough that they're pulling him from the field and essentially breaking up that unit, right? So I do think it is a problem uh, and something worth watching. And honestly, there are some people on the sidelines watch practices that think that Chris Paul has actually been the better left guard than City Charles anyway. So if this injury continues to be a nagging problem. You know, there are already people who believe that the team should probably make the move to Chris Paul being the guy, even when Sadiq is able to practice anyway. Um, I don't know if I'm quite there with them, but it's certainly uh, I think it's certainly a battle that probably uh, not a lot of people expected coming into this. Well, the coaches definitely uh, the, aren't. They,
2: they keep putting Sadiq at, at first string when he come back.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um. As far as as far as uh, Cornelius Lucas getting reps with the left tackle, at left tackle, I will tell you that this coaching staff has really kind of been. A little bit consistent with giving veterans uh, some time off, some breathers, and and that kind of it's funny because that kind of contradicts a little bit of what we literally just talked about as far as that that team being uh, a full unit. I don't think that Charles Leno's job is is in jeopardy if that's what you're asking.
4: Uh,
2: no, uh, I, 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 w- I was yep. just gonna
4: say I wasn't necessarily asking if it was uh was in jeopardy. I mean we we know how much he makes. He's the highest paid offensive line on, lineman on the team, and and kind yeah. of with Ron Rivera, if you get. If you're getting paid, you're playing. No matter what, uh, as we see, you know Nick Gates have his his hiccups uh, during training camp, and Ricky Stromberg, their third round pick, being put on the third team. I guess I was more so asking about Lucas because if I'm not mistaken, he's a swing tackle. So at mm-hmm. some point, if Andrew Wally continues to not look as as good as he as he did in the preseason. Um, Debut, but of course he was going against the Darius Smith, who is a Pro Bowl yeah. uh, pass rusher. And on the opposite yeah. side of Leno wasn't Miles Garrett. Uh, could we possibly see Lucas swing to to right tackle, and maybe Wiley either swing to the bench <laughs> or or, or <laughs> swing in at, at guard at some point? He did
1: left yeah, I mean, I, I certainly wouldn't take it out of the realm of possibility. I don't know if I would call it likely, you know, but um, Cornelius Lucas definitely making reps on the left side. Trent Scott has been getting the reps on the right side there as far as second team tackles are concerned. So um, but at the same time, until literally just this week, Nolan Loffenberg actually started getting second team reps at left guard. And then all of a sudden he's getting reps at center. Ricky Stromberg have been getting some mixed second team, third team reps at center. And then he's getting reps at, at right guard. So this this coaching staff is definitely looking at the odds and ends and, and pieces and seeing if maybe this guy fits better here, this guy might fit better here. And and I think as far as the tackles are concerned, I think you're really looking at a battle between kind of the veterans. You mentioned the swing tackle. I think Cornelius Luke is probably the favorite to be the swing tackle that first, that first tackle off the off the bench if they need one. Trent Scott kind of right behind him. And then there's there's kind of a group of guys fighting for maybe a final roster spot or more like more than likely a practice squad. Uh, spot. And then you have the interior offensive line where really I'm kind of starting to develop this theory. And and this is just my own theory from watching the reps that, you know, Nick Gates is your starting center. And that really what I think is going to happen is that uh, uh, Nolan Laufenberg isn't going to be on the active roster, but they're cross training him so they can put him on the practice squad. Ricky Stromberg is now cross training to get center and guard reps, which Mm -hmm. he played a little bit of guard uh, in college as well. And he'll be kind of your backup both he'll kind of be your first center or your first guard depending on what you need depending on Sadiq and Chris Paul and how that whole thing shakes out and then Nolan Lauffenberg on the practice squad if injuries really start to degrade the interior of the line you can now bring a practice squad guy up who's had a really strong camp and now he's out experience snapping the ball or playing guard so you can really put him wherever you need to
2: so for Right, first off, um, everybody that's checking, in, appreciate everybody checking in. Hit the like button the subscribe button if you haven't done so already. Uh, but we've kind of buried the lead a little bit. Um, we spoke on it for a little bit, but but let's let's touch on Sam in depth. Mm-hmm. Uh, David, man, you've been there the entire offseason. You've seen. Um, I don't know exactly how many days you've been at training camp, but you have access to all the training camp practices that you can attend. Um, mm-hmm. I I loved how he spoke today. I think it was today and his post-practice yep. pressure and like how composed he was in his answers. Um, Again, yep. short, concise. It, it wasn't like he, he sounded like he didn't know what he was talking about. It was like everything right. that he's learning, you can hear it in how he, how he uh relays his responses to the media. Mm. What has been your interpretation and in, in, in your understanding of Sam Howell's development this off season, as you've been able to watch him?
1: So the great thing about Sam Howell is Sam is who he is. He's not trying to be somebody that he thinks the team needs. He's not trying to be this image that he thinks the media wants to see or the fans want to see. He's just himself in it. In that way, he reminds me a lot of Taylor Heineke, right? Now, completely, you guys noticed it, like not the same personalities at all, right? But the bottom line is Taylor Heineke never tried to inspire. He never tried to motivate people. He was just being Taylor. Like that's just who Taylor was. Like who you saw when you guys saw Taylor behind a camera or in front of a camera lens. That's who he was when he wasn't behind a camera lens. You know what I mean? And everybody on the beat will tell you the same thing. Sam Howell is the same same, same guy. Like when, when I first started, obviously we had the Zooms, right? When he got drafted, we had the Zoom interviews and all this stuff. But you talk about rookie camp and then, you know, mini camp, training camp last year. But once we really got into the locker room during the regular season and I started to get to have conversations with Sam Howell uh, on the side. You know, he's a third-string quarterback, fifth-round rookie. Nobody's really – you know, there's no scrums. There's no press conferences. So just getting to know him throughout the week a little bit, or throughout the season as a little bit, then when he becomes the second string quarterback, he's the same guy. Coming into the starting job week eighteen, he's still the same Sam. That really kind of, I really, that really stood out to me in week eighteen of last of last year in the regular season because you know all season long I come in the locker room and at some point in time usually I go checking with them. We kind of talk about whether it's family, we talk about college football, you know whatever's going on around the league, just, just kind of talk. And when he became when he was announcing the starter, it's OK. He's QB one this week. So we're not going to have that same back and forth. So I'm standing there with the other reporters are waiting on, you know, Terry or somebody else to do a scrum. And he comes up to me and he's like, hey, man, what's up? And I say, hey, what's up? And so, OK, so we're still going to do this. He's the same dude. All offseason QB one. He's going to be the starter. He's going to get the first crack of the job. However you want to call it. Jacoby Brissett comes in, all these other things. See him in this first OTA practice. He's the same Sam Howell. He's been the same Sam Howell all through training camp before Cleveland, after Cleveland, right now, today, you guys saw it. That is Sam Howell. I think that is a reflection of his mental maturity, and I know that that doesn't equate you know, in the Madden ratings, yeah. and it doesn't equate to arm strength and all that stuff, but that mental ability is so huge in an NFL quarterback. When you look at guys like Tom Brady uh, and you know, getting to cover Tom Brady for just a little bit of time that I had to cover him, he's kind of a similar type of guy. In the first two years, Tom was Tom. Every time you saw Tom, every time you talked to Tom, preseason training camp, games, post game, doesn't matter, he was Tom Brady. That third season, there was something off. You know what I mean? And you and see it in the it, play that there was something off. Right? There's there's just something going on. Whether it's the divorce, whether it's everything else. So that mental stability is really really important for an NFL quarterback. So I think that when you guys see that, that's real. I'm really happy to hear that you guys see that because I think that's something that he's going to lean on. Now, again, I'm not saying it's going to make him an All Pro, uh, especially in his first year as a starter. But that is to me, that is the foundation that he's building everything else on that EB is helping him build on
2: And, and my thing is when, when I think about how um, I'm in this space where like I'm very hesitant on him, but it's like how I perceive how and, and how he's been able to you know uh, work like his his day to day his his actual job, like his profession, It's just something different about him. And and that different doesn't mean like he's a superstar or this uncovered gym, but it's just something where you, you see it and it's like for a person at this age to kind of be in this space mentally, it's like, I'm not stupid. Like I see it. Like something, something's there. And it's like, what is that? Like, I want to explore that. And, and for you, like, do you think that this is a, a, a person where, um, Let's actually let me rephrase what I was thinking. Do you think that what you're seeing or what you have seen to this point is much better in terms of like your your optimism on the offense and Eric enemy and what this 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 team can do offensively um is it is it in a better place than it was uh pre enemy? I I guess that's probably the safest thing in 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 pre uh sam how qb1 competition all that stuff like is is it in a better place now than it was a few months ago
1: easily yeah without without a doubt you know um starting with with sticking with sam i'll I'll get to eb here in a second but sticking with sam alone you know we we've been saying you guys have been saying it for the last three plus years honestly right i've been saying for three years that's how long i've been doing the doing commander (laughs) stuff so you guys probably been saying it longer than i have if this team gets average or better quarterback play this is a playoff contender Right. Like that's all this team needs is average or better quarterback play. I don't need a great quarterback. I don't need Patrick Mahomes on this roster to make this team a postseason contender. But they haven't gotten it. You know, we've gotten in spurts right? we've gotten some moments with Taylor Heineke. Uh, I don't really know if we had any moments with Carson, honestly, but we had some moments with Taylor Heineke right where we get that above average quarterback play. But it was never sustained. You know what I mean? Um, and I, I'll be honest, too, without diving too deeply into the history and talking about guys who aren't here anymore. Some of that mental stability that we're talking about with Sam Howell, some of that wasn't there with some of those quarterbacks, and that's one of the reasons that play wasn't able uh, to be consistent. So <coughs> Wits. that's that's kind of the biggest <laughs> thing I think you see with Sam Howell is when we talk about expectation management, right? like do we need this guy to be the next, you know, say, Brock Purdy, who obviously Kyle Shanahan gets a lot of credit for that, or do we need him to be the next Patrick Mahomes? You don't. You need him to be the next mid-level quarterback in the national football. Like, it's all Sam needs to be, and if he's better – that's great. That's great. You know what I mean? That's just even better for this offense, for this team. But can he be that where Taylor and Carson and Ryan and and so many other people failed? Yeah, absolutely. He can be that. And that's where the eric enemy part comes into. Guys, this this scheme, uh, I mean, if you get a chance just to see even just a little bit of what this scheme is is turning into at, a, at an open practice. You know, I think the last open practice is Saturday for fans. Like, if you can get out there and – or if you have been out there and see even just a little bit the way that – Eric Bieniemy is putting guys in position to where there's always an option. There's always somewhere that Sam Howell can go with the football. Now, does he always get there on time? No, he doesn't because he's a young quarterback and he's going to make those mistakes, right? But the scheme is putting guys in position to be successful, and that's something that is different than what we saw in the past. In the past, we've seen – you guys know it. We've seen schemes where, you know, you're running – you're running a, a running back that's got no business running through the A-gap against a stacked box – in a fourth and goal situation when your guy who should be running through that is sitting on the sideline. Like you're just, you're just talking about just decisions that really don't make a lot of sense. And Eric Bieniemy isn't about trying to trick you with personnel packages. Like if Cole Turner is the tight end that fits best for this situation and play call, Cole Turner is going to be the guy on the field and it's going to be on the defense to stop you because he's going to put the best weapons out there for the job. So uh, Eric Bieniemy, beyond his personality, beyond his style, like when we watch some of the play designs that he's putting in on this offense, it's really exciting, guys. So if they can really get to the point where EB can open up this playbook to Sam and this offense completely, there's a lot of fun things. And not just, we're not talking trickeration. you know. Either like, don't be wrong, that's cool too. But just the basic tenets of this scheme and how it operates to clear people up uh, to make plays, um, it, it's 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 pretty it's pretty fun to watch.
0: Hey, David, and I guess to keep it on Sam, how. What do you feel like the general vibe is around camp, whether it be the media, you know, the players, coaching staff from last year to this year, like the vibe around the quarterback position? Do you feel like the vibe is better? Because I remember last year, you know, there was a lot of talk about Carson's up and down. You know, he's struggling. He's Mm -hmm. inaccurate. And people were worried. But this year, I mean, it seems Mm -hmm. like, you know, even though we don't really know what Sam is as an NFL commodity, we're hearing more things, you know, kind of more positive things in a sense, which is actually refreshing yeah. and is actually surprising you know, more surprising than I thought. So what do yeah. you, do you feel like the vibe is a, a better vibe around the quarterback position this year?
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, from a, from a media standpoint, I think most people are still in a, let's see what happens when it counts, you know what I mean? Type of mode. And, and some of that is, I don't want to say fear, but for a lack of a better word, I'll say fear of, 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 supporting somebody or, 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 you know, tagging somebody like the next great quarterback and then, you know, being proven wrong. And, and, and me personally, I mean, locked on commanders listeners know, like I, I'm a hype season guy. Like I have no problem with hype season. You know what I mean? Like, uh, especially, I mean, I cover the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for, for eight, nine seasons now. Um, so I'm, I'm very familiar with, with covering a franchise that does really well early. And then during the regular season, you're talking draft by mid October. Um, so I always tell fans, especially take the hype when you can get it and run with those wins while you have them. Cause by October you may not be getting a whole lot of them. So Sam Howell is doing really, really good right now. But when you contextualize it, it's practice. It's one preseason game. So what are we really talking about? We're talking quarterback that's only got one regular season game under his belt. And it came against the Dallas Cowboys team uh, that, like I said, a a now former Commanders player did tell me they weren't putting in 100% effort in that game themselves. The Dallas Cowboys weren't, which is probably why Mike McCarthy kept his starters out as long as he did. Um, But, you know, it's still worth praising Sam for what he's doing but it is important to remember that none of this counts yet, you know? So I think that's where the media kind of is for the fans. I, I feel like a lot of fans are wanting to believe that Sam, Howell can be, the quarterback they need. you know man. what I mean? And, and, and I support that I'm, I'm all about that for fans. You know what I mean? For media, we kind of have this, this feeling like we got to keep it real. We got to keep it real back a little bit, you know? So for me, I don't reel it back. I, I tell you that he's doing really good. I tell you what the pauses are, but I also try to I add the salt of it's preseason, it's training camp, it's practice. You know what I mean? Because that is important. Um, but for what he's being asked to do so far, he's, he's, he's knocking it out of the park. And, and I will tell you this, that this time last year, uh, as a media group, and I won't speak for like individual people, but there were a lot of days where we walked off the practice field going, this ain't it, like this ain't going to work. You know what I mean? Whether it was Carson, whether it was Taylor, um, and i'll remind people too that there was one day where Carson Wentz had three interceptions and 11 on 11s in one practice session. Sam Howell has three interceptions in 11 on all training camp and one of those was off the Brown's hands, the other one he was tripped by one of his linemen. So really, if you talk about a quarterback standing in the pocket delivering a ball that got intercepted, he's got one of those. You know what i mean? The other two were kind of fluky plays. So that's the difference. You know what I mean? That's that's the difference that we're seeing this year. And again, you know, Jamal, you just said like, does it mean Sam Howell's going to be an All Pro? Am I telling you to draft Sam Howell in the fourth round of your fantasy draft? No, but he's doing the job that he's being asked to do right now, and he's doing it better than we've seen in the last two three years easily.
4: So, so David, what the hell is the issue with Ron Rivera saying Sam is the starter?
1: I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I, yeah. I, I mean, it's
4: it's pretty. It's it's one of the most obvious things that he could answer yeah. because Brissette hasn't had any reps really with the ones, from my yeah. understanding. I mean, we're we're not at practice like you got a few. On yeah. A, yeah, but I mean. What the hell is the issue with naming Sam Howell the starter? Going, into do we need to one? hear that though? We, are, I mean, it's kind
0: of going without saying, isn't it? Like, he's getting all the first team reps, he's starting
4: preseason games. I mean, do I mean, you, you really need him to clarify. It? <laughs> I mean, Dre, yeah, you, you do in some regard because at the end of the day, the way that he's answered stuff to the media has made it seem like it is a quarterback competition, and Brissett has has a chance like none of us believe it you know i can't speak for david but as far as us on the panel we don't we don't believe it so it's like we're not we're not talking about joe burrow or patrick mahomes here we're talking about a a guy that's a fifth round pick that's finally getting an opportunity to to do something but Mm. i mean if 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 the head coach keeps telling us that percent has a chance and that's really what he was brought in here was to compete for the number one spot and he won't name the head coach. It's kind of confusing to me because, it's like, what 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 the hell are we doing here? Like, just just get it out the way, get it over with. But now you yeah, open th- the door to continue to be asked that.
1: <laughs> right. No, I mean, no, I, I completely get where you're coming from. But yeah, I mean, every, you know, I, I I will say I don't know a single member of of the beat that believes there's there's a quarterback up. There's no quarterback competition. Like Sam Howell is the, is the number one quarterback, um, and he's done nothing to show that he shouldn't be. And Jacoby Brissett honestly has done nothing to show that he should be over Sam Howell. Um, honestly, I think earlier in training camp, if you had the conversation, I actually did an episode where I pulled a bunch of media members, not just local, but some national, some team employees at other teams. Um, And I said, you know, what would the perception of the Washington commanders be right now if Jacoby Brissett was expected to be the starter versus Sam Howell? And for the most part, as you can predict, right, it became a floor to ceiling uh, type of conversation. But I'll be honest with you if the ceiling would be higher, would you go over set with his veteran knowledge and, and experience? I don't think it's really that much higher to be, to be quite honest with you. Um, um, that's, you know, it, it's, it could it be higher potentially? Yeah. I mean, but if you're talking higher, you're talking about a difference of winning seven games, winning eight games. And is that really so much better that it's worth putting the veteran in over putting the young guy in and seeing what you have and, and try and develop that for a year. I think with coach Rivera right now with that whole conversation, uh, I think it's hard when you, when you get hired in 2020 to be, the coach and the, the, the politician, you know what I mean? For, for a team, like, let's be honest, like that's what coach Rivera has been doing up until trying. this, you know, just recently he's had to politic for this team and he's had to try to coach this team. I think it's hard to turn that off. And if, if, and you, and we all know when he first started talking about this quarterback competition and Sam's going to get the first chat chance, but it's not his job. We were still under the old ownership. Right. So, and remember who the old owner is like, Even until that until that ink is dry, like is there is there a possibility that that former owner comes out and says, "Hey, you're going to start this guy instead of that guy"? Yeah, that possibility is there. So if you're the head coach and you know that possibility is there, and I'm not saying that's what happened, but I'm saying maybe that it's essentially just protecting myself. So if I do have to make a change, it's not out of the blue and oh, all of a sudden you gave up on this kid and and all this other stuff. That's the only thing I can really come up with. And then now uh, it's actually funny that you guys bring that up. Um, The day that I think it was what it was Tuesday, I believe, where the Carolina Panthers. You know, breaking news: the number one overall pick is going to be our starting quarterback. Like that day, we all saw oh, that Anthony report Richardson. after practice. So we we're like, "Oh, we should have asked Ron." Like, "Hey, the Carolina Panthers announced the starting quarterback. You want to announce your starting quarterback?" But yeah, I mean, we're with you. Like, Sam's Sam's QB one, and you know, outside of injury, knock on wood, that doesn't happen. But uh, I don't, I don't see that changing. Yeah,
2: D- David, how much? I, I don't want to. I know I, I said a certain amount of time. Are you okay with time? I, I don't want to. Yeah, you're good. You- yeah, you guys are okay. good. Yeah. okay cool 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 so uh everybody just checking in again uh we're talking to david harrison of locked on commanders and uh uh commanders island commander
1: oh
2: my lord I, commander country commander country is sports illustrated yeah. i gotta get used to that i, I usually just it took sports me a long time too man yeah um so he's checking in with us, breaking down his observations from uh, the team over the course of the all season training camp and uh, the joint practices. I just want to swing to the defense, and we can get you out of here. Um, I think for uh, this side of the ball, um, what was a couple things? What was impressive with two people individually? Chase Young, Emmanuel Forbes. Um, Chase Young had a really good pass West rep um, that unfortunately he got hurt on. But yeah. you saw some things in that one rep that was i wouldn't say that he's never done it before but like in terms of how clean it was um yeah. lining up i think what at the 17 technique or maybe five like just far outside like to the left side of the tackle he has that space to really get mm-hmm. going in terms of his explosiveness um and then on top of that has the ability to to use his hands accurately uh and, and forklift the offensive tackle to get towards the watson he hits the oh. quarterback could have wrapped – I mean, I, man, Deshaun Watson is a hard quarterback to tackle, so I'm not even mm-hmm. – I'm going to just leave that there. Um, but mm-hmm. he, he's he's able to make a really good play on the offensive mm-hmm. lineman in front of him. And then you have Emmanuel Forbes in your goal line stand. Um, while he had some good coverage reps on that same drive leading up to the goal line stand, uh, he was able to make a really good play inside the box to help prevent yeah. the touchdown uh, prior to help getting towards him. Um, those two people are, are at the top of my head in terms of, like, We need him. We need Forbes for his playmaking ability. We need Young for his ability to to close on sacks and and get home on the quarterback. Um, Mm -hmm. Does his injury scare you at all? Um, It is just a stinger. I Mm -hmm. I believe he didn't participate in the joint practices, um, but he's a person that Washington obviously really needs. Um, I'll, I'll start there. And then the second question is just your overall opinion of Emmanuel Forbes.
1: Yeah, so Chase Young, um, you're you're right. You know what I mean? And, and I think it's, it's wise to not say he's never done it. But if he's done that before, it's been few and far between. And that's really kind of what you've been looking for out of Chase Young. Um, and that's, you know, coming into this season. Like, And honestly, look, I'm, I'm a Buckeye fan. My father raised me and being an Ohio State Buckeyes fan. So I've been watching Chase Young since right. he started his collegiate career. Um, and, and coming out of the NFL draft the year that he came out, like, I you know, I always I said he is not. A top two guy. He's not a top five guy. He's not a top, you know, maybe top 10. Okay. Like top, you know, six to 10. Okay. But he didn't have a second move. And the difference between him and the Bosa's and I, and I will be honest with you. I think the Bosa's got him drafted number two overall. I'll just be honest. Um, the Bosa's had a repertoire. I remember going to Joey Bosa's pro day. Uh, it was my first college pro day that I ever covered. And the questions about Joey Bosa was, can he win with more than one move? Because Ohio state never had to. And that dude came out of his pro day. And I, when I tell you he unleashed like a repertoire of moves that nobody had ever seen him execute before and he did it smooth like it was just second nature, that's what got Joey Bosa drafted. So as he showed everybody, the I not want to say the problem, but the, the side effect of that, right, what, what I mean when I say the Bosa's got Chase Young drafted number two overall is Nick Bosa essentially was kind of the same guy. Like at Ohio State, he won with one basic move most of the time. Pro day, he showed some other stuff. They said, okay, cool. By the time you get to Chase Young, it's just kind of assumed that he's got this He's got more. He just hasn't been asked to do more, but he's got more. You flip to the Ohio State wide receivers. Mike Thomas, Terry McLaurin are both under uh, yeah, under drafted terribly. Why? Because they're only asked to do a little bit of Ohio State. They can actually do more. So then you see Chris Olave and you see Garrett Wilson get drafted much, much higher, even though they're asked to do very simple things at Ohio State. But now everybody has faith because of Terry, because of Mike, that they can do more so that you see the, 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 the correlation there. Chase Young, this training camp, this offseason looks better than I've ever seen Chase Young look yeah. from a confidence standpoint, from an execution standpoint, from a move standpoint. The question with him is similar to Sam Howell. Is he going to do it in the game? You just pointed it out and you just described it, I think, better than I could possibly describe it. Yes, he can do it in the game because he stinking did it. Like you said, he got injured doing it, and that's what really sucks because I think if he doesn't get that stinger, I think he does wrap him up, and I think he gets a sack, and he's getting a sack in his second drive of preseason it's preseason, but let's remember the last time chase young was healthy. He had one and a half sacks through eight and a half games. So he's coming out and getting one full sack in his second drive on the field. That's improvement. You know what I mean? And you're doing it against a starting caliber NFL left tackle. So that is significant to me, even in the preseason, that's significant to me. And if that's the kind of chase young you're going to get in the regular season, I mean, The problem you're going to have is how do you pay both these guys? You know what I mean? That's the problem you're going to deal with, but that's a great problem to deal with. And that's what I hope the problem. That's the problem I hope Chase Young develops during this season. Uh, As far as the injury is concerned, I don't think it's a a big problem. If it was a big problem, he wouldn't be doing individuals. So he did participate in individual drills uh, during practice. He just didn't participate in team drills. And that's been all week. Um, I don't think it's a problem because of that. If it was a problem, a real problem, they wouldn't have him doing individuals. Uh, either and believe me on the field like he's not moping he's not frustrated he just he's going about his business i don't think he's going to play against baltimore uh if he doesn't practice friday or saturday I, I pretty much all will rule him out against baltimore but just from what you've seen of him and what the commanders know about him if this is what you're going to get I, I honestly i'm not worried about him playing against the ravens i'm really not even honest honestly worried about him playing against cincinnati Bengals. i'm worried about him playing against the arizona Cardinals. you know what i mean um so that's kind of where we are with that, I think. I think most people on the beat uh, agree. As far as Emmanuel Forbes, supreme talent, supremely confident, more physical. Uh, You pointed out the play against Cleveland Browns, more physical than anybody expected, and it's impressive. I mean, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen somebody that small, you know, uh, <laughs> okay. do some of the physical things that he's doing and not look out of place. Like, he doesn't look like a guy jumping off, you know, like a bounce house. Like, he looks like a football player, I mean, and, you know, so credit to him. Um, he did get a little bit of work against the, the the Baltimore Ravens, and I think that probably brought him down to earth a little bit. But he's a confident guy. He's going to come back. His coaches are going to talk to him. They're going to work on him, and he's going to realize that's that's OBJ. You know, I mean, that's OBJ over there. Those are some really good receivers over there that you're dealing with. Um, So I think he'll come back from that better. Um, and the key thing about Emmanuel Forbes is, and again, we go back to that mental, mental maturity, he's never going to stop fighting. Like, this is not a guy who's ever going to get down on himself and quit All the way down Uh, today, he got beat by OBJ on at least three routes that I counted um, significantly, like three, four yards of separation on a couple of those routes. Lamar Jackson just missed him because Lamar Jackson looked less accurate than I've seen Sam Howell look all training camp. Um, But at the end of practice, Lamar Jackson targeted Mark Andrews against Emmanuel Forbes. And, you know, that size difference. And Emmanuel Forbes came up with a big pass defense uh, against a very physical tight end and a tight end who's been looking to fight people all week. Um, And that was a really good way for him to end that practice. And I think that is going to lead into confidence of him going forward.
0: And David, uh, let me ask, since we are on the cornerbacks, but Manny Forbes, Mm -hmm how's the slot cornerback looking right now? I know Ben St. Juice is slated to start there um, right now Mm -hmm. and he played on the outside last year, but how is he looking this year, especially with the joint practices? I mean, I did see, and you know, you see a couple of plays here and there, but I mean, how is he looking overall? Is he grasping the position? Is he looking like he's going to hold it down or are we a little bit concerned there?
1: Uh, I mean, I was concerned when I heard he was going back uh, because I liked him on the outside. I wanted him uh, to be on the outside. That was, I think that was a confusing thing about drafting Emmanuel Forbes in the first place. You know what I mean? Is, is, I think most people came into this thing saying their priority in the, in the secondary was a slot corner. Emmanuel Forbes is clearly not a slot corner. Um, granted, he's he's gotten some reps there, but I think he's much better uh, on the outside. But Ben, he looks, he looks a lot better this year in the slot than he did last year. Uh, last year, this time in the slot, I mean, we were watching him get put in a, in a, in a, in a washing machine by Curtis Samuel um, on a rep in, rep out basis. And this year, that's not happening. He's, he's definitely mentally more tuned into that position Um, he wasn't able to practice in the first joint practice because of the ankle but he was out there on Wednesday Um, had a really nice uh, pass defense um, in in the first set of 11s against the Ravens offense and yeah I think I think he's looking more comfortable there and you know the the good thing there is you have some matchup versatility right so you also have Danny Johnson and and Quan Martin both getting reps in the slot as well with the second team Uh, Rashad Wild Goose is also in the mix there a little bit so you've got some scheme versatility so I mean I wouldn't put it out the realm of possibility that if we get into a game where maybe maybe because of matchups, maybe Kendall's just not getting the job done today, we put Benjamin St. Juice on the outside and we see them move Quan Martin inside or or Rashad Wild Goose or Danny Johnson, whoever it's going to be. And you know, I don't think it's going to be a weekly thing or maybe it's a situational thing, but you're seeing them all get reps. Those three guys, Emmanuel Forbes, Kendall Fuller, and and Benjamin St. Juice, there's a combination there where sometimes Ben is outside and they bring in Rashad or Danny or or Quan, So a lot of, a lot of chess pieces there for Jack Del we're going to work with.
4: So, so David, um, you just finished off. It's crazy that Dre brought it up because my question was going to lead to Quan Martin, uh, with Mm -hmm. him being a second round pick and, uh, some of the backlash that he got after his, uh, debut Uh, as an NFL player on, uh, on Friday and his reaction to it on Twitter.
1: Um,
4: with you being at practice, are you noticing that he's not being able to play fast because they're asking too much of him? Um, you know, it, it doesn't seem like he's getting a lot of those heavy reps at slot, which he was supposed to be pinned to be the slot, mm-hmm. which is why they made the selection the second round. Yeah. Uh, but Juice has been pushed back into that, and he probably looks more fluid because he's able to play faster. He's more comfortable in that now because of what he had to do last year. Uh, what, what are your thoughts with Quan Martin? And, uh, if you could redo that draft at this point, uh, what's today's date? August 16th, I don't even know. August 16th, 2023. Mm. Would you still, would you sign off on Quan Martin being that second round pick from what you've seen from preseason and training camp uh, so far?
1: That's tough. I hate that you asked me that because I gotta be honest and, and no, I would not. Um, but that's not really because of Quan, honestly. Like that's not that's not because of anything that Quan has done. And I'll tell you, in practice, Quan looks every bit as he. The football IQ is there, the athleticism is there, the range is there. That's all there. the The key here, uh, and KJ Henry is actually in a very very similar situation. Is you've got the raw talent and ability, and everybody sees that. It's just getting that to transfer from the practice field to the playing field. And you know, I talked to Chris Rodriguez Jr. I talked to KJ Henry today, uh, Ricky Stromberg. I like, talked to a lot of these young guys. And they've actually been very forthcoming and honest about the nerves going into your first preseason game. Right. And I think on the outside media and I mean, look, uh, Washington Post and, and like J.P. Finley and Mitch, the, you know, the NBC crew, I think they're the only reporters that went to Cleveland for the preseason game. Like our, the rest of us, myself included, we all stayed in, in, in at home. You know what I mean? So that kind of shows you the priority put on preseason games. But to these guys, it's still their first NFL game. They were all incredibly nervous. The weather delay only made the nerves just that much more ramped up. And and honestly, it's kind of rough because someone was going to have a bad day. You know what I mean? Like some rookie was going to have a bad debut. And, it, I mean, it just happened to be, be quan you know. And I talked to him about those penalties, and he said that, you know, going back through them, he didn't say a coach told him this specifically, but he said basically going back through them, they're kind of ticky like They could have gone either way, so they're not just like blatant calls and things like that, but he is learning that this league is more strict on, on penalties. And obviously college football is, and he's, he's, he's working. And I think the key thing is, well, I say, right. that The first thing in solving a problem is admitting that you have a problem, right? So Quan understands that there are parts of his game that in the NFL, he's got to fix and he's working towards fixing them. Um, so I like Quan, and I think that there is a good amount of potential there. What I, the, the reason I wouldn't go that route again, if I were, if I were in control of that is the interior of this offensive line needed too much help. You know, I I think you look at the left guard position, and I can't remember exactly who was on the board uh, at the time right now, but there were a lot of day two interior offensive line prospects that could potentially come in and challenge for one of these interior offensive line spots, whether it's a center and you kick Nick Gates out or left guard and you you make City Charles and Chris Paul backups. To me, that's too important, especially if you're planning on moving forward with Sam Howell. That's the reason I would change that pick if I had the option to, but I do like Quan. I do like the depth and, and the ability in the secondary. Um, I just worry if this year is it going to be enough to keep the plan moving forward. Because if if you if we sweep this coaching staff out, who knows what the next plan is going to look like? And if this roster doesn't fit what that next person wants to do, you know, you could turn something that's on the verge of being a really good roster and good team to being a complete rebuild.
4: Yeah, that's that's what concerns me about the, the draft this year in particular from the Quan Martin pick in the second round to third round, Ricky Stromberg, and then fourth Braden Daniels, you know, like the, the days of those type of guys sitting on the bench and not being integral parts of your team don't exist yep. anymore. Like these are yep. starters a, around the league league wide. And essentially from how it looks right now in August, the only starter is going to be Emmanuel Forbes out of your first five picks in in the draft. Like it's insane. Like this team doesn't have that type of talent or pedigree to, to not have guys that can contribute immediately and not be on the field. So that's, that's just my, you know, my little tidbit on, uh, Mm -hmm. Martin, uh, Martin, uh, Martin Hurdy and, uh, Mayhew, and what they've done and possibly and hopefully their last draft. I know you can't really say much, but I'm hoping it's their last draft, uh, a part of this commander's regime.
1: (laughs) No, but it is strange. I mean, to your your point, you know, most coaches will tell you, and I think Ron Rivera last year after the NFL draft even said, too, like picks one, two, and three, you know, you expect those guys to be key contributors to your team year one. Picks four and five, they're guys that you hope are going to be on the field. When you look at this team, you know, like you mentioned, pick one, obviously, is going to be a key contributor. Pick two, I, I do think he's going to get some good time on the field, but he's not going to be a starter. But then picks three and four, I mean, let's be honest, you're hoping you never see them, right? Because if you see them, likely somebody got injured. So you're, you're hoping that they spend the entire time on the bench. Now, if they spend the entire time on the bench, if your third and fourth picks of the NFL draft this year spend their entire time on the bench, that's actually kind of a good thing because it means your starters were healthy. But then you're always going to have this hindsight. You're going to look back and say, well, what if you took this guy? What if you took that guy? And I think really that this team this year, they came in and they said, we need to secure our depth in some very key positions. And Kendall Fuller was battling through injuries. Benjamin St. Juice didn't finish the season. Uh, And behind Cam Curl and, and Derek Forrest, you know, I think they looked at it and said their offensive line, their secondary depth was not solid. So they wanted to secure that. It's almost like buying an insurance policy. Nobody ever throws a party for buying insurance, but it's something they felt like they needed.
2: So, um, my last question for you, David, comes from Hulk, and um, it was going to be Andre Jones, but he, as well, mm. Hulk is asking a, a really good question because, yeah. um, what I saw from Cody Barton in the the Cleveland game was alarming immediately. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care, I don't care if this is your rookie season or your your fifth season. Uh, the reason why they got Cody Barton in is the same reason why they felt that um, these are different degrees and on the same level. But it's the same reason why they brought on, brought on Carson Wentz and other top tier free agents that I mean, top tier free agents relative to to them. Um, they thought that Cody Barton was behind a, a defensive line that wasn't uh, as good as Washington's. And if you give him this opportunity, maybe he flourishes. And And, and yeah. Cody was their choice to replace uh cole holcomb whether they're right or wrong we'll find out soon but in that first game mm-hmm. the way i saw him play some gaps and way to, the way i saw him not necessarily uh 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 meet the, t- the meet the pulling guards towards the, the actual run play um he's trying to mm-hmm. shoot gaps in and trust his speed to get a play and, and now all of a sudden he's out of position um mm-hmm. i'm a little concerned about cody but i'm concerned about cody because of how bad he played some run fits it's not just yeah. that, like he can be a very good athlete. He could be good in coverage, but if they find out that he has some flaws, like that's a problem. Um, yeah. and to the Jamie Davis side, um, year three, they want to see more out of him. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. I'll leave it there. Mm. What is your opinion as Hawk as on the linebackers? Are they looking competent to you? What is your overall? They're good, bad, et cetera. I'll leave that to you.
1: Yeah. The the linebacker that's impressed me the most is training camp is Khalid Hudson. And to a certain extent, that's a bad thing, right? Like that's not what you want to hear uh-huh. is that Khalid <laughs> Hudson is the most impressive linebacker. But what I'll, what I'll say about Cody Barton, I asked him earlier during training camp because I talked to a lot of Seattle media. I actually have a surprising amount of friends in Seattle media. I don't even know why I've never lived out there. So it's, it's interesting to me, but, I asked, as soon as this happened, I said, who is Cody Barton? Let me know what's going to happen here. And they all got really excited and said he was not used properly in Seattle, not just the front in front of him, but the, the way they asked him to play linebacker in Seattle did not fit his skill set. But the way that they all perceived the way that a linebacker plays in Washington, they were all incredibly excited. I asked Cody Barton about that perceived scheme mismatch in Seattle versus here in Washington. And he would only tell me that, yes, I feel like I'm a good fit in Washington. He didn't want to cause any controversy, which I totally get. But the way that he said it, there's there's a, there's a thing about Cody Barton that feels like he's got something to prove, right? And and we all know this too. Like if you try too hard to do something, that was Carson Wentz's biggest problem. Carson Wentz always went out and tried to make the perfect play, and then when he made a bad play, he tried to erase that bad play with the next perfect play. And it just it's never going to work that way. I feel like Cody Barton in that Cleveland game is doing a lot of those types of things. He's playing incredibly fast, maybe too fast, and like you said, he's trying to make the Play. And we've heard Jack Del Rio. We've heard Ron Rivera say this a lot of times and most coaches will echo the sentiment. Just do your job. Right. And we've, sure. we've heard this conversation about Chase Young before. It's not about whether or not Chase Young gets the sack. It's about whether or not the defense gets the sack. Cody Barton. He knows that, but he's got to operate that way. It's not about whether or not Cody Barton makes a splash play. It's about whether or not we stop this run. So I agree with you. And in practice leading up to the game, he was much smarter. He was much more fluid. He was much more assignment based in his play. Then in the game, you know, that definitely stood out. I think part of it is is that Cody trying to prove something. Part of it also, I don't think that defense honestly came into that preseason game, especially after the weather break, and really cared, to be quite honest with you. I don't think that first-team defense really came out there looking to do much of anything. And then when they got pushed all the way back to the goal line, they stood up. And I don't know who, but I think somebody went to the sideline and said, look, this this isn't going to work. So they came out and you saw a much better overall defensive unit on that second drive. They get the three and out. They get to take the rest of the night off. Um, I'm interested to see because now this is what I love about joint practices, right? So we have practices leading to Cleveland, but they're all practices against friends, right? Now we've got practices against Cleveland. I will tell you that or against Baltimore. I'll tell you that the run fits against Baltimore specifically have been beautiful. And this is only day two. Again, I didn't watch defense day one day two run fits from Jamin from Cody from Kalik, from Milo, from from all the linebackers, have been really, really sharp against the Baltimore Ravens. So I'm excited to see this game to see if that translates. Because if it doesn't translate, it's not because they can't do it, because they've been doing it. It's because yeah. they're not doing when the game happens. Why? That's what we have to watch the tape for. That's what we have to evaluate uh, and, and look at all those things. So I'm really excited because I'll tell you right now, and you can take this to the bank, Like the run fits against the Ravens today on Wednesday, superb. Great. I don't think the Ravens gained a yard in most of their run plays. I mean, edge runs, interior runs, all of it uh, really good. So if that doesn't translate to the game on Monday night, now we got to find out why we got to look at what the differences are. Uh, Jamin since coming back from the knee, you know, he rotated some first team reps some second team reps and all those things. Uh, Honestly, he doesn't look a whole lot different to me than what we've seen before, but I do. I have started to notice that I think Jack is bringing him off the edge more than, than we have before. he's come off the edge before at times. But right now, at least from a practice standpoint, it looks like it's happening more often. Um, Finally, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm excited <laughs> for it, but we'll see if it, if it translates. And I'll tell you right now, like today, they were they were working on the side on some things, um, you know. So, so Coach Del Rios is, is is definitely working with Jamie. We'll see. It's just got to translate on the field.
2: David, man, um, damn Andre there, Jones, I though.
1: Ride. I mean, I want to talk, like, Andre oh, yeah. Jones, hey. guys. Like, he's he, he had a great week. He had a great week. I'm really excited for him. He had a great week. So. Hey reps with the
2: reps, reps, uh, reps with the ones today, right? On uh Yeah. Reps they, with Wednesday? the ones.
1: And I mean, I really don't. So I don't think that's, you know, that's indicative of him like challenging for anybody's spot. I think what it really is is let's get the young guys some work with the first team offense, first team defense. Um, while we keep James Smith Williams with the second team, like let's keep our second unit intact, move somebody from the third unit up and give them an opportunity But the most impressive thing is that Andre Jones Jr. didn't look like he didn't belong. Like that's to me, that's the greatest thing. And he got a sack. Him and John Allen converged on Lamar Jackson for what would have been a sack. Um, So, I mean, you know, it it doesn't mean he's going to be like the next star defensive end. No, but it's a it's a great week for Andre Jones. So I'm really happy for him. David,
0: before we go, I do want to ask this. This may not interest anyone else, but this does interest me. Okay, Cameron Cheeseman, should we be concerned? No, you
1: know what? If you <laughs> asked me a week ago, so so Cameron Cheeseman, so no, that's a that's a very valid that's a very valid question, and it should interest everybody. Special teams is huge. Um, Cameron Cheeseman had in the beginning of training camp had been having some some rough snaps, and okay. uh, Trustway talked about it. Said he's he's trying to perfect his grip, and he kind of changed his grip a little bit. It's, it's he Tress told us that on the side, it's been working great. They get into the game situation during practice, and that's where they have uh, some miscommunication. They have some issues, and there's been some bad snaps. Um, So if you asked me a week ago, yes, I would have said, bro, like you've been doing fine. Stop, stop tinkering. But all this week and then against the Baltimore Ravens, I I, I didn't see uh, a single bad snap. Now, again, uh, especially with the offensive line, defensive line fighting on Wednesday. I didn't watch every special team snap either, but um, I'm no longer worried. I was. I'm not going to lie. I was worried. I'm no longer worried, but again, we'll see what happens with uh, with Monday night. And Chees- because- Cheeseman
4: is a 33 overall on Madden.
1: So yeah. AJ, AJ I feel like so this serious, is my AJ. point.
4: This
0: is my point. So I actually heard today that he's still having issues. To they said he was having low snaps today. I mean, I wasn't. I didn't get to see the coverage or anything, but I did hear some people talking about it, and it's been That's an, an ongoing thing. YouTube
2: channel though, by the
0: way. And but, yes, thank you, Ravens YouTube channel. But the issue with Cameron <laughs> Cheeseman is we traded up to draft this guy, at long snapper, and you don't draft yeah. long snappers. And if you're having issues with these things. And I feel like this may come up at some point in the season where we're getting a bot snap. Now, long snappers, they have no positive impact on the game because you don't notice unless they're messing something up. then if he's messing something up, it could cost us a game. And this is a guy we traded up to draft. And that's the issue I have. And I'm a little concerned right now because I feel like I felt at the time it was a wasted resource. And now, you know, I'm like, okay, now we're having issues with this guy. And it's only a couple years after we drafted him. So that's why I asked the question.
4: <laughs> hey, Dre, oh, it's a very valid know, question. I didn't yeah. even know they drafted a long snapper. and then They traded two, up AJ. <laughs> they, yeah. They
1: <laughs>
4: and then two, I think snaps has been an issue all, all training camp, if I'm not mistaken, from what I'm reading. Like, whether it be Nick Gates or cheeseman in some regard has been an issue
1: so with nick gates there was really like one day where there were some snap issues well i wouldn't call it one day it's probably one week where there were some snap issues um it seems to be more isolated than anything nolan laffenberg had a bad snap uh the other day but nolan is is really just starting to learn how to be a center so i'm going to cut him a little bit of slack there uh but as far as cheeseman today like you said like some people were saying that he had some bad snaps again when they were doing some of their special teams work i was watching the o-line d-line uh, Cause that's where the fights were happening. And Sam Cosme was just, just livid. Um, so I did not see all of the special teams reps. So there, so if there were some bad snaps today in special teams, then I might be back on the, uh, on the worried part of it. But yeah, I mean, you know, those specialists, that's kind of what trust said, you, you know, is like the third year of being a specialist. Like there's not a lot, like you kind of mentioned, like your job is kind of just your job. And there's not like, there's no versatile special teams players. You know what I mean? Like for a specialist, um, you don't have a kicker that can also be a receiver. Like this doesn't happen. So you kind of get to this this point where you want to be a perfectionist, according to what Tressway told us. And that's kind of where Cam is. Um, you just have to rely on special teams coordinator Nate Katzer. Like, you know, that's your job. So, like, if if this dude's new grip is not coming together by, you know, Tuesday morning at 2 o'clock in the morning after this game on the way home on the bus, you might need to tell him, hey, bro, go back to the old grip because that's not working. You work on that next <laughs> season. Um, hey, dump, yeah, dump I, the plane, so.
2: man original plan Yeah, yeah, because
1: that's huge no you're and you're 100 right like a bad snap on a punt bad snap on a field goal bad snap on an extra point you know what i mean like that's that's big that's yeah so that that is a storyline that i think people should be paying attention to if they're not cheers to years eight
2: david man let the people know where they can find you hear from you read from you anything that anything and everything that you got going on man the floor is yours i I appreciate you sticking with us for for an hour boss
1: Oh, yeah, I appreciate you guys. Always fun talk to you. Uh, Locked on commanders five days a week, if not more, depending on – basically, if there's a practice, there's an episode. Uh, sometimes there's are not – like, if there's no practice on Thursday, but I'm dropping an episode anyway. So uh, five days a week, if not more. Uh, CommanderCountry.com. I just forgot about it myself. CommanderCountry.com. <laughs> like you says, Sports Illustrated Fan Nation. Then you can follow me on Twitter if you want to, at DHarrison82, but I'm going to be honest. I don't, I don't tweet much. Um, I usually I, – I basically retweet Ben Standing, John Kine, Nikki Zavala, and Sam 48. So follow them. Uh, if you want to follow me, you just can see their tweets. Anyway, man, follow
2: <laughs> follow David Harrison. Man, put the put the ad out there one more time for the people.
1: <laughs> uh Z Harrison, you too. Um, Thank you.
2: Yeah. <laughs> there it is, man. Hey, I appreciate you joining this, man. This ain't gonna be the last time for the season, so I'll definitely tap in with you, check in yes, with sir. you, see what you got going on, so we can uh, get your thoughts and, and pick your brain on on what's going on with the mob. I
1: uh, appreciate y'all. Have a good night.
2: Yes, sir. I uh, appreciate too, you. Man. All right, so there goes David and Fallas, man, that was a long, long conversation. Very enjoyable conversation, so we got a lot out of that. Appreciate everybody who's tapping in or who has been watching throughout this whole time. If you're just checking in, make sure you hit that like button, subscribe button, definitely appreciate that. Fallas. we said a lot that we needed to say over past, the past couple of days of practice. Um, In terms of this game preview, um, I'll ask us, like, what is, like, that one... Matter of fact, I'll give us the floor. If there's anything else that that, that we're missing that you want to touch on, we can do that. Uh, I will start off with just one thing that I want to see from that Monday night game. Um, Side note, asterisks, we will be live on Tuesday following the game. We will not be. This is preseason. I don't give a damn about no goddamn Monday night game. We are not going to be live at 11. It's prime time, Mo.
0: Come on, I don't care if it's preseason. It's prime time, baby. You ain't ready you, for this? You,
2: you must got a you must got a bottle with a other a, other a, a, a yak somewhere somewhere <laughs> in that in that house for you, bro. That that's probably why you talking. You like man, night, that ain't, that ain't shit. hey
0: no, I'm actually with you, Ma. I just had to fuck with you.
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> man, crazy. All right, hey, but look though, man. Look, we, we live Tuesday the following day, man. Um Martel gonna check in with us too. So we're gonna we're gonna have a four four person team on, on Tuesday evening. Uh, to break down the game uh there's one thing that i want to see uh and i'll give the floor to you all uh there's one thing i want to see i i guess i'll start with um uh the offensive line again uh and i'm gonna go with a unit obviously but at the offensive line again uh there's other positions or even one player that are layups and, and i'll leave that there but i'll go with the offensive line because i think Um, a big conversation coming out of Cleveland was that it was just one person that day, which I obviously agree with. I really do think it was just one person who struggled for the most part in terms of that starting offensive line. But when you have a a game two in preseason with the new format of three games, you're probably going to get two quarters out of the starters. So that's anywhere between three to five possessions in that first half. So I want to see what that offensive line is going to look like again. Um, And I want to see if, uh, Wiley, um, and Cosme in particular, like those two, cause Cosme had a really good game. And then on the, the other side, you, you see Wiley who, who really struggled. And so I want to see those two on the right side. I want to see how consistent Cosme is and how comfortable he really is at right guard. But then I want to see how, uh, Wiley is in terms of his issues and what he dealt with in week one of the preseason is he able to correct that? Because if we're seeing somebody who struggles at right tackle and he struggled two games in a row with some of the same issues, um, that that is where the the red flags start rising in my head. I'm, I'm not going to have a red flag after one game. I'm, I'm notating it, and I'm going to point it out on, on film, but the red flag isn't there yet. My red flag is going to come when I start seeing some of the same issues. So that's kind of where I'm going to be looking at that offensive line. Against the Baltimore Ravens on Monday night, three to five possessions. How do you look in that instance? Um, how do you look in those situations where you need that third down to convert? You need that fourth and short, or you're in the red zone, or you're back in your end zone, and you have to you have to show something for Sam to to allow him to get the ball off in time. So that's where I'm at. Offensive line Monday night.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think no matter what happens to uh, Andrew Wally in the the preseason game Monday you'll still see him get a fair chance during the regular season um I just think it, it just boils down to a number game and, and when I say that I just mean from a financial standpoint with how this team has been constructed um you know I I don't think we'll see any of the uh, any of the guys that are severe that are highly paid just uh, you know replace or put on the bench uh, but for me overall I just want to see the team play an entire half of football. Uh, for the most part, uh, offensively and defensively. I think uh, a lot of the attention that we've spent has been focused on the offense, but the defense did not look good going against the first team of the Cleveland Browns last week at all. And I want to see them if, uh, you know, Baltimore puts out Lamar Jackson and the crew, OBJ, Zay Flowers, Andrews, and so on. Uh, I want to see how they handle that, how they react to, you know, going against an active quarterback. Uh, someone that can create outside of the pocket. I think that's been uh, a major Achilles' heels, a Achilles' heel uh, uh, to Jack Del Rio's defense since he's been in Washington. They don't handle going against uh, dual threat quarterbacks well at all. We just seen it last week with Deshaun Watson. He was able to get creative uh, outside of the pocket, also scrambling, and they look lost, <laughs> honestly. And if I'm not mistaken, a lot of the guys that they face this year on the regular schedule have have some of those abilities, Uh, even within your own division. uh, Every quarterback within your division is a dual threat type of guy Uh, in Dak, Jalen and uh, Daniel Jones. So, yeah, I just want to see them put play an entire uh, half of football and then, yeah, just get ready for regular season to kick off in several weeks after that.
0: I mean, yeah, for me, I got a couple of things I'm actually looking forward to in this game. I mean, this is supposed to be the dress rehearsal game. I actually... Want to know? I mean, we'll probably find out later this week how they're going to approach this game because this is supposed to be the dress rehearsal game, but they've had these uh live scrimmages against the Ravens, so I don't know how Ron, you know, particularly plans to you know approach this game. But I am looking at the defense because this is the last game we'll get to see this team, you know, well, as the team we're going into the season with, this is the last time we'll get to see a lot of the key players, you know, play before we get into the regular season. So I'm actually looking for the defense. as AJ said they didn't look good that first drive against the um you know the browns last week yeah. but you know going against lamar jackson this is a good test because this is the type of quarterback that always scares me in the NFL i mean this is the- Type of quarterback that's always killed the Washington team. You know, we're not necessarily going against Baltimore this season or Lamar Jackson this season, but we do we do have to face Jalen Hurts twice a year. So this is a good test. You know, at least going against uh, Lamar uh, Jackson, he's a similar quarterback to a Jalen Hurts. I got it. We're going to face even Daniel Jones in a sense. We're going to face those type of quarterbacks throughout the season. So I'm looking to see how the defense keeps contained against a Lamar. I mean, Lamar's elite at what he does, but I do want to be able to see them. You know, hold their own you know look good you know want to look at the linebackers uh offensively you know of course we're going to look at sam how that goes without sam but i do want to see the wide receivers i mean i've been talking about this all training camp i'm looking at the the battle you have for those five and six spots and it's going to be fun because we're going we're gonna to see a lot of those guys competing and fighting for those spots so i'm going to be looking at paying attention to those guys um offensive line obviously as Maul said i'm definitely going to be paying attention to that to see if they're giving sam enough time you know if they're giving the offense enough time to go through progressions you know the run game um i'm excited to see chris Rodriguez. against chris Rodriguez, had a good first showing uh last week i want to see if he can come out again because he was the guy that came in and stood out of their running back group last week now granted uh, Gibson and Robinson didn't get a lot of carries early on. I mean, they were trying to get Sam Howell a lot of looks, but when Rodriguez came in the game, he showed that burst. And he showed the reason why they drafted him or why they were so excited to draft him this year. So, I mean, those are the things I'm going to be looking forward to in this preseason game. Um, and yeah, just the overall team, you know, this is the dress rehearsal game. Last year, the dress rehearsal game went horribly <laughs> against the Chiefs. I mean, it was the Chiefs. That's the Super Bowl champion Chiefs, you know, two times in the last few years years or whatever but we didn't look like we were in the same field with them last year and the ravens this is another thing uh that's exciting about preseason i don't i normally don't care about preseason wins or losses but the ravens do they clearly do they have this crazy streak going in preseason and it will be crazy if the commanders come and beat the ravens <laughs> and in this streak. Man on Monday night football. Now, like I said, it doesn't, like, preseason wins, losses, they don't mean anything. But for some reason, this would feel a little bit good if they can end the Ravens' little arrogance preseason streak and get them out of the way. So I'm looking to see if Ron and them come with that sense of urgency this Monday night.
4: Man, Dre, you said all that, and and they even mentioned your boy Cheeseman. (laughs) <laughs> well uh, when we talk about Cheeseman how, how much more we need to talk about him I mean but
0: hey AJ, AJ Cheeseman might be an issue and you're right that 33 overall rating on Madden that Wait, that was really that never... was real,
2: bro. He 33 overall. No, those JJ. long
0: snappers don't get good ratings on Madden. They never get good Damn, ratings on Madden. Bro. Madden doesn't acknowledge the long snapper position for some whatever reason. <laughs> it's been a pet peeve of mine, but it is what it is. But the issue is we traded up and drafted Cameron Cheesman and he's having issues in his third year, and I'm a little concerned, man, because we had See, uh, I... what Albright and Sunberg was our last two long snappers and those guys we found off of the street. And they held the position down for years. We get this guy Cheeseman. We traded up. We drafted him in the sixth round. And he's having issues in training camp in his third year trying some new technique. Like, first off, all, why do you need a new technique? Secondly, you're struggling and we don't need you to struggle. If you're going to be this long snapper that we drafted – Boy, you better come in here and I don't want I don't even want to know who you are because if I know who you are, that means you're fucking up. <laughs> like if I don't know Man. who you are, it's no, a I snap know. hey he Dre, did.
4: I didn't I didn't even know I didn't even know he was messing up, nor did I know he got drafted. You just gave me an additional reason to hate Ron Rivera and company even further. Because the fact that you said they traded up to draft someone in the sixth round since we've been doing the show. I had to Google it. I'm like, bro, Last, I mean, we seen Isaiah Pacheco, the running back for the Kansas City Chiefs. He was drafted in the sixth round. Like, you can still get players. Like, that's insane for a long snapper you traded up. Nah, bro.
2: <laughs> there it is, man. Um, Listen, Monday night, 8, 8, 8, 8 a.m. I wish it was 8 o'clock game in the morning on Monday night. 8 p.m. Uh, Monday night, man, 8 uh, we're gonna tap in we're gonna lock in with these guys man everybody in the chat uh og i do remember you i, I guess you got a new youtube account or something like that i don't know roger smith roger, roger. was always, angry. Yeah, was yeah, always the angry one yeah i might say roger was always <laughs> the angry one he brought that he brought that energy in, into the chat man i, I loved it um i, I love that energy that they bring but everybody again slim i seen you uh everybody Hulk, kenny everybody i appreciate y'all checking in uh and, and all that stuff man the fellas will be back Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern to break down the Monday night game, man, and and give our thoughts on that. Uh, but yeah, that's gonna wrap it up for us. Uh enjoy y'all week, enjoy y'all the rest of y'all week, enjoy y'all weekend, all that stuff. Stay safe, man. Uh Dre, AJ, man. Y'all boys stay safe. Uh, we're gonna lock in um one of these days. Uh I got a I got a trip coming up to Houston for my boy B Day. Uh, if y'all been to Houston before, y'all need to text me where we need to go uh and, and figure that uh, out.
4: I'll tell you right now uh Earl thomas got a, a
2: spot out there called area 29 well i can't ask what i was about to ask you on the air because
4: <laughs> no, we'll do that later we'll talk about that later hey man <laughs> yeah. it's, 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 12, it's the 12
2: it's the 12th man you get what i'm saying it's the 12 man all right man look we like bro. you know your boy your your, your, your your boy your boy's sitting real good right now ready to ready to ready to have a motherfucking ball out there you know what i'm saying so uh, I'm looking forward to that, but I'm going to tap with y'all off air. Um, but yeah, man, we out of here. Y'all stay safe. Dre, AJ, I will tapping with y'all during the chat. Um, yeah. Peace. Yes, sir.
3: Damn, sir, huh. Watch him throw the ball. We are going to pick it up. You going to let him hit the hole or you going to cut it off. You going to play through fourth and longer, you going to punt it off. Your defenders have you hit us, put your pads in. Don't be looking for the ref to throw no flags in. Keep the helmet on. Keep the cleats tight. You the type to want to win by any means, right? You should look alive. This is trap or die.